This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And I was going to throw another word into there, actually. I was going to throw Pride of West London international podcast. Because we're actually doing our first ever international Brentford podcast here on Besotted. And I have to admit, I'm actually rather excited. I'm rather tingling at the moment now because this is the first ever podcast we've had where we've had contributors on it across 14 time zones. We've gone from Washington, D.C. to Tasmania via Holland and Hong Kong and other places as well. And we're going to be talking about all sorts of Brentford things, but not necessarily from the usual angle that you have me and Lainey sitting down there shooting the breeze. You've got the Liberal Nick and the Allard and all the characters in the virtual joint. This is a different virtual joint. This is an international virtual joint. And uh, we're going to be talking about all stuff. We're going to be talking the Tottenham game. We're going to be asking these international bees that I've got in here with me. What it's like to be an international bee. And we're also going to be looking forward to playing Man United. So you're probably thinking, who's he got in here with him this time? We've got no idea. And I'll tell you what, we've got USA bees in the house. We've got Dutch bees in the house. We've got Hong Kong bees in the house. We've got Aussie bees in the house. Plus, we'll also be hearing from uh, the US Man United Supporters Club as well. And also, because we've got to keep ourselves grounded. We've got Andy Mitten from United We Stand. He's our lone UK correspondent. He's back in Manchester and he's going to be giving the lowdown on Man United a little bit later. But we've got, tell you something, we've got absolutely loads to talk about. So what we're going to do, we are going to go to the studio to find out who's in the house. First of all, we've got the USB, USAB in the house. John, the Kenkel Kenkel. John, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's all good, John. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your beedom and your international beedom because people want to know. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I I discovered the bees when living in the queue uh, back in 2014, 2013, 2014. So my first game was Notts County and saw a win, kept going. And the next thing you know, I'm on the pitch at the Preston North End game with the rest of the fans. And from then on, I was hooked, the whole family. So we brought it back to the U.S. with us. Uh, that's all good. It looks like you're a bit of a glory day bee, though, John, because you've only seen the glory days of Redford, haven't you? Yeah, but I mean, for an American, I'm probably the only one to say I've seen them play Crawley Town and Notts County and some of those other games. So I still feel like I'm on the cusp of that early side right before. So I still feel okay about that. I'll tell you something. If you've seen Brentford play Crawley, you're proper old school. That's all I can say. <laughs> so listen, in the house as well, we've got the Dutch Bees. We've got Harold Hanemeyer as well from The Hague in Holland. Harold, how are you doing? 
Good, I'm doing very good because uh, it's a national holiday today in the Netherlands, King's Day. We can celebrate it for uh, now for the first time in two years. So yeah, I'm a little bit orange today, but yeah, my main colors still are red and white. You you can reckon? No, no, I hear that. I must have it. I've got my sunglasses on here, Harold, because that orange is actually beaming across across the waters over here, like you know. But um, I mean, you've obviously had a few a few swift halves, as they say in Holland. I mean, just tell us a bit about your background, because I remember first meeting you away at Port, Ga- Port Vale first game of the season 2013 the season that we actually got promoted out of Division 1 and I was like why is this Dutch person in Port Vale in this pub in Port Vale but just tell us about your Brentford history <laughs> yeah that's right that's where we met uh, for the first time but I'm going uh, to the beast to the a little bit longer Actually, um, surprisingly, also against Notts County was my first uh, first match, and it was already back in 2009 when we are really uh, down the, the the league pyramid system in League Two, and um, it was one-one against uh, Notts County in a very cold, yeah, let's say windy, rainy day at Griffin Park. Maybe 4,000, 5,000 people only. Um, n- Everywhere place to stand on the, on the Ealing Road, but ever hooked on, on since. And actually, it was the only goal of Mark Phillips. Maybe you can rem- remember him for, for the Bees. Uh, one, uh, one, one, one draw with a red card, Nathan Elder, the eighth minute. Wow. So it was not so good, not, not so good result. I, I could never imagine at that day. Uh, I could, as well, um, uh, I thought I would still be going for years. That's what I, I knew for sure. But I could never imagine that we would talk today about the likes of uh, Spurs or Man United <laughs> being so good in Premier League. That's right, that's right. And, 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 and like I said to you, and, and, and I think the amazing thing is as well, because I mean, I see you loads because you, I don't know if you've got a season to get such, but you literally come over, you know, probably once every couple of months, you know, you go to matches at home, you've got your little Dutch bees posse, you go to, to away matches at Brentford, you know, we see you <laughs> probably more than we see people who live around the corner from Brentford. Yeah, we, tr- we try to, to go um, as much as, it, as possible. Of course, we've got <laughs> some obligations in the Netherlands due to work or, or family. But we're trying to come, let's say, every month or every two months uh, to, the, to, the, to the away matches and, and home matches. And I have to say, it's even more uh, attracting us now, not because of the Premier League, but because of COVID. Yet, no, not the possibility to go for nearly one and a half year. Uh, so yeah, it's it's more hooked than ever uh, to come and uh, we'll be there in uh, one and a half week against Southampton. So um, looking forward. That's right. Looking forward to see you and having a part with you in the globe as well. Now we've got the Hong Kong Bee, which a lot of people probably know about the Hong Kong Bee. You've seen his articles for years on Besotted as well. And you probably think, why is he called the Hong Kong Bee? I mean, it's obviously, it's not, it's not rocket science because he lives in Hong Kong. Eddie Cooper, how are you? Hi, Billy. Hi, everyone. Yeah, um, great to be here. First time on the pod. Um, I've, uh, I've been in Hong Kong, I think, 17 years. But um, yeah, I've been supporting Brentford since, well, I think the early 90s. The first game I can remember was in uh the 80s i think it was bristol rovers at home and i can remember um leaving my grandparents house in greenford uh and my mum saying you have to pay attention because they don't have replays in the ground like on telly that's all i can remember about it um (laughs) so yeah happy to be here i have to correct you there listen good to have you as well i have to i have to correct you first time on the pod it's actually not your first time on the pod it's your second time on oh the pod. we did the if you remember kong rightly one. yes we did didn't we, we did a we hong, did kong, a hong podcast. kong podcast yes thank That's you right which which probably could count as the first ever international podcast but but uh 
But yes, no, actually, no, because that's that. going to spoil my intro if I didn't, like, you know. So, yeah, there was you and what, about yeah. three other Hong Kong bees, yeah. including Ben Bland and a few others as well. We sat in a pub quite late at night in Hong Kong, did a podcast, put it out there, and it's quite a good laugh as well, yeah. as I do, as I was doing my Middle East tour, or now my Eastern tour, I went to Japan, I went to China, then Hong Kong, as you do, but always got to slip a podcast in there somewhere, like, you know, which is all good. So, anyway, look, good to have you on, the Hong Kong bee. Now, also, we have got the Aussie bee. Dave Genford, but he's not even in Australia. He, you're in a place that I don't think that we've ever had anybody even write in or come from on this podcast. Where are you from, Dave? Uh, I'm from Tasmania, so that's a small island just off the, the south of uh, the mainland of Australia. Um, but we're pretty big. It's a seven-hour drive from one end of the state to the other. Um, but yeah, big fan of... I've always claimed I was the, the southernmost bee supporter, but um, I said that on Twitter once and someone from New Zealand uh, pipped me and said, no, they live further south. But uh, yeah, big fan. Been following since... Uh, 95. Um, I got sick of just following a Premier League team. I wanted to follow a, a team lower down the division. Who were you and, following? Uh, my, I was following Manchester United and still oh. did until probably this year. And uh, so big game uh, this T- week because uh, definitely my allegiance is with Brentford. But um, my brother's name is is Brenton Genford. So the Brent and the Ford kind of went together. So we both started following them. And when I say following them, checking the newspaper for results. That's all we got back in the 90s. Um, and then I moved to London in uh, 2006. My first game was uh, against Blackpool. Oli Skalarsson, Icelandic international, scored the winner. Um, went straight to the, uh, the the shop and bought a Adam Griffiths uh, top because he was the uh, only Australian in the squad. Um, don't know if he, uh, he was as popular with the Bees fans. It wasn't a successful season, 06, 07. But uh, no. I was proud to have an Australian on, on the back of my top anyway. Yeah, no, it's all good. And it's interesting you talk about, you said about the 90s, about the fact that you, uh, you know, you get the newspaper and it's very hard for you to get information. You just reminded me because I used to, well, I mean, I'm talking about here, you international bees here. I'm also international at the moment now because I'm actually in Florida. I'm in Tallahassee in Florida now. I'm visiting my family. My family been living out here for 20 odd years and uh, I'm sitting there, you know, in the house and I used to visit my family when they lived in Miami. And I remember that time, you know, even the, the, the years that we went up and we went down and I was sitting in Miami, I'm um, living in Miami. For, for, for months or years at a time okay and I found it really hard to get bees information then as an international bee as I was there and I remember I subscribed to the Middlesex Chronicle and I actually sort of paid money for a subscription to the Chronicle but obviously I didn't want the rest of the news all I wanted was the Brentford news so what they do is they just tear out the back page and send it to me because it was actually cheaper just to send the one page to me and there's obviously no social media back in those days so I'd have to wait for like five days for the information to come about Brentford for the following for the previous week when I can actually get it because it's a local newspaper that actually kept me in touch what was happening with the bees at the time so uh, anyway listen David yeah and that's that's been one of the great things about being in the Premier League is just the extra coverage that we've got now the replays of all the games every game's on TV like previous to this year it's been that I follow has been great the last previous years um, but before that you, you wouldn't see any games it was just about trying to follow online and that's one of the reasons why I've loved the podcast so much is because I really get to hear from the fans what's happening and, and get a real feel for the game even though I can't be there and, and haven't been there since 2008 it's all good so listen what we're going to do, we're going to go off, we're going to have a little break, we're going to have a little, well, drink, whatever, you know, whatever time zone you're in, there'll be a, there's a few beers going over the right-hand corner, there's a couple of tea going on the left-hand corner, then what we're going to do is we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that Tottenham game. 
So Saturday, New Griffin Park, it was live on TV in the UK and all around the world as well. Late kickoff, it was, so it's quite a good laugh. We got down the pub very early. I did my little tour of queue, as I normally do for the early pubs, go down the Cricketers and queue and a few other pubs. Then officers all jumped down and went down to the Globe. And it was a good little session down the globe. Very, everyone was really vibes in, actually, as well. And I've got a few of my Tottenham chums down as well. The, Ashley the Milton was there. Borough Beth came as well, my England buddy that I met up in Borough. She's not a Borough fan at all, Arsenal fan. So we all went down there. Honestly, it was a really great pre-match as well. Um, Joseph, even my little nephew, came down as well. So, yeah, it was a great pre-match. It was a good day. It was a good game. And that was a good post-match. And to be quite honest with you... I was probably a little bit lucky because I was flying off to America the next day and everybody tried their very hardest to ensure that I didn't make the flight because there's all sorts of drinks being thrown around. But anyway, listen, I've talked about my experience about this game, but what we're going to do, we're going to go to the fans to hear exactly what they had to say, both Tottenham and Brentford fans, in the pub and in the stands after the game. First half, we absolutely slaughtered them. Start of the second half, obviously they came into it a bit and we sat back a bit deep, but no real clear-cut chances. Maybe one way of save when he pushed it onto the bar, over the bar. But, uh, man, proud, proud as always to be a B. What a, what a performance. Absolutely brilliant performance. Particularly good today because, you know, we were missing some key players. Ayer and Norgar being out, Pinnock, of course, out as well. I mean, makeshift back four did a really, really good job. I have to say that this team, you know, the sky is the limit for them, the, the, the way they're going on, the confidence and whatever. Tottenham didn't present that much threat, and if only that Tony header had not hit the post in the last minute, would just be the other side of it. Boy, would we have been in delirium. But what a game, what a fantastic, great game, and the Bees can only take strength from this. It really was an excellent performance. Godos very aggressive at right back, not naturally where he plays, obviously. I thought we bossed that game and I think we're very unlucky not to have won it. I thought the team really set up well, clearly had a plan for keeping control of Son, giving him a bump every time he got the ball, hitting the post at the end. I'm really proud, really good performance. I was a bit fearful when I saw the lineup, there's so many really quality players out of our team. But you never noticed because everyone that came in was played really, really well. Vitali in his usual centre defensive midfield uh, position was fantastic. Uh, Jensen played really, really well covering uh, in the midfield as well. And it was just like a superb. This was the nil-nil equivalent of the 3-3 against Liverpool. Last August when we came to this Premiership, if we got nil-nil against Tottenham, we would have gone... Oh my God, nil-nil against Tottenham, that would have been amazing. And we need to reflect where we came from. We need to look through the year. It was an amazing performance. We had most of the possession. We had beautiful football today. And okay, we didn't score, but we didn't need to. It was nil-nil, it was perfect. You were missing three key players and it, you know, it didn't look like it at all. I thought Brentford dominated pretty much most of the, you know, we had maybe 10, 15 minutes. But most of the game, Brentford, you know, dominated pretty much um, did we? Did your keeper make a save I have to give you credit no, I thought Brentford play, played great played proper football the keeper was like actually able to pick passes right you know wasn't lumping it or anything like that uh, yeah I mean Brentford were very good but Spurs were poor as well but maybe you know Brentford limited us if anyone you know Brentford probably deserved to if anyone deserved to win it Brentford I would say deserved it there is a reason we didn't have a shot on target in this because 
like the midfield dominated today. Yeah, we, we were passing around the back. We couldn't get a ball into the box. There was a reason for that. And that's because Brentford were absolutely phenomenal today. I've got all, all the credit to Brentford today as well. I think Brentford have blown us out of the water. I've... I, I've never seen a team cut, bounce up from the from the from the championship and play as well as they did today. It was absolutely phenomenal to watch. From what I can understand, it must be great to be to be a Brentford fan today, in this day and age, where you're in the Premier League and you're doing phenomenal. Yeah, it's clear that form makes a massive difference in the Premier League. We're on form, Tottenham are not, and we just look so comfortable and confident with the ball. Even when we were off the ball, we seemed confident. And I think that was essentially the difference. When the team sheets came out, Sam got a starting, Ooh, okay, yeah, maybe, okay. But actually, he was brilliant. He made, he made a huge difference because he was constantly there, constantly fighting, always winning the ball, always winning the second ball, always winning the third ball, always winning the fourth ball. If we had 11 Sam and Goddesses, we probably would have won the game. We've really come of age as a Premier League team in the last... Two months. couple of months, yeah. And it's not just, obviously, Ericsson helps, but it's not just Ericsson. Like, the whole team have come on leaps and bounds. Not just as played to, like, mentally, how to manage games. Like, they went out there today, and you just got the impression that right from the start, everybody knew. They knew what they were up against. Tottenham were a good fucking side, but everybody knew what the game plan was and what to do and everybody knew their roles I mean absolutely class absolute class yeah Joe you can see the Spurs fans shitting themselves this was this was a big game for them they need, need a win after the results and we contained them what did Raya do Raya you know Raya had very little to do like Rico shows he's absolutely amazing he's almost like two or three players in one and like, I, I, like, I'm so proud it's all it's you know similar to the fact is you know, when we lost one nil to Chelsea here in the league we were going that is probably the best defeat we've ever seen and this is the best nil all like, like they were on the you know, that goes in and I mean I'm happy for the history and all that with Watford fuck them you know no, all the Reds should have seen it's coming but you know we, we, we are suddenly becoming these disruptors amongst the aristocracy of football so you've got Everton looking over their shoulder you've got we're taking points of Chelsea off Arsenal Tottenham, we, 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 you know, as our season becomes less decisive, we are deciding other people's seasons for them, and that is brilliant. That is insane, you know, to think 12 years ago when we, you know, we were beg, steal, and borrow a win or a, a draw. Bill, I was with you at Oldham. It's freezing cold. They've gone out of the league today, you know. That was a, you know, and today we, we are giving we're giving a team that considers themselves the top, you know, the Super League team, European Super League team. A game, and they they are on the ropes, and they were they were hanging in there. And I, I've got to put that up with one of my best games of the season so far. Yeah, we didn't win it, um, but we matched a, a, an incredibly good Tottenham team. We made we, we we looked like the ones that were going for the Champions League positions tonight. Um, not them. That they they looked. We, we made them look second best, and they were second best pretty much all over the pitch all night. So there you have it, bees fans, Tottenham fans. No goals, but everyone was really happy. Well, actually, not everyone was really happy. The Tottenham fans were really not happy at all. But hey, listen, that's the way it goes. And it goes to show you what a difference was it 20 years make the last time we played Tottenham. Nil all at our place, but we were two divisions apart 
and we were very happy with a nil-all draw. And this time, we played Tottenham nil-all, and we were probably a little bit disappointed. We weren't gutted, but we were disappointed because we knew that we could have beaten them, and even the Tottenham fans said that we should have won on the day. But listen, I mean, you've heard from the views of the fans at the stadium, but it'd be interesting to hear the view from the fans who were watching the game internationally. Harold, I'm just wondering, where did you watch the game? Oh, I watched it at home. My, my wife was not at home, so uh, my children were at, at bed because it was a late kickoff. So I had all the time of the world just to really focus on watching uh, more than 90 minutes intensely and look at everything that went on in the game. So, yeah, I watched it at home from my couch. Okay. And what's your main takeaways from that game? Well, for me, the main takeaway is, is it seems like we are a little bit moaning about the fact that uh, we are still surprising teams and that uh, that we should get credits from others that we're such so good. But I don't think that's the case because um, uh, I went in, for for example, in January uh, uh, to the Everton uh, away game in the FA Cup and we were really awful. And now we're playing really good. But what really strikes me is that we are playing against uh, the Spurs with 10 players in, in the... Uh, in, in the squad who were there last season in the championship. Uh, we only had Christian Eriksen. Of course, he makes a huge difference to what we're doing. We played with 10 players who were in the squad last season when we were championship. And I think that's uh, such um, uh, interesting because literally Spurs, okay, they were in the second half uh, much better than in the first half, but we're dominating literally the whole match. And that, that really, yeah, for me, was... Uh, outstanding that we are uh, uh, competitive uh, in the Premier League with literally 10 players who were in the championship last season. So that says anything about of everything about uh, the way this squad improved, but also you know, when we yeah, get used to life in the Premier League. That, that yeah, I mean, we did literally nothing wrong. Uh, we defended well, so yeah, I was, and, and we missed some players. We, we, we missed uh, uh, some, so I was really, yeah, really surprised about that. And that's yeah, quite an achievement. Okay, Ricky. I mean, John, it's interesting because uh, Harold's talking about, you know, the fact that you know we were in the championship last season. We used ten of our championship players to the Premier League. I mean, I know that you're based in America. You've been supporting the bees, you know, since 2014. But I'm just wondering the difference between Championship and Premier League because I know that America. I mean, I've come over here. The first thing I want to say is that. We, we put a little call out for international bees and we just thought, listen, let's just get a few people to actually add their thoughts into this podcast. And you'll be hearing from those people a little bit later, but I'm not being funny. We've been inundated with people from all over the world. So much so I'm thinking I'm probably going to be up all night chopping up audio like, you know, and just like you know, so that you can hear what the people are saying. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, like I said to you, is that um, Brentford were in the championship last season, the Premier League. I want to know from American point of view, how much of a difference that is, because it seems to be that the Premier League is the be-all and the end-all, but before that, the Championship is almost like hidden. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, obviously, there are there are supporters of some of the clubs that have you know sort of yo-yoed in and out uh, who are in the Championship. You know, tons of Fulham supporters. They've had a history of American uh, uh, players, so so that's no surprise. Um, but Brentford, having never been in the Premier League, I think up until last year, I only knew of about five born and you know, raised Americans. Uh, almost everybody else in the supporters group over here were pretty much expats who who moved over. Um, and then this year, just there's been an explosion of, of of new fans, and I think a lot of it has to do with Americans just loving the underdog. 
Um, and so it was a great story that first week when they beat Arsenal and it really sort of increased our exposure, you know, national TV. And so people just kind of jumped on the bandwagon and it's been fantastic. We, we have watched parties now in multiple cities every week. Uh, you know, we, we have, we, I think our supporters club has grown doubled over, over that time here in the U.S. So it's been a miraculous difference. And, and, and you yourself, me, the Tottenham game, did you watch it at home or did you watch it, you know, with a load of mates in the pub? Yeah, so it was a noon kickoff. Um, so we, 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 I couldn't make it out that day. Um, so I watched it at home with the family, uh, in, 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 as, I always, as I usually do, because the early games, there aren't many sort of Brentford supporters bars um, where they open up for us. You know, they'll open up for Liverpool or, or some of those you know, who, who have tons and tons of fans who show up. But uh, we're still working on that Brentford side. So, you know, when we do hold watch parties, it's usually we get five, six, seven people here in the, the D.C. area. New York's growing leaps and bounds. They're getting about a dozen uh, or so. Um, so. So a lot of the early games I, I watch from home, but uh, definitely that's where I watched the Tottenham match this week. Okay, and your main takeaways from that game? Yeah, I, I think that you know, the, the biggest thing for me is I felt like we should have won. You know, I we we, we I don't want to say we dominated the match, but I thought we were definitely the better team. Um, I think the only bit of quality I saw from Tottenham really was was from Son, uh, who offered some uh, you know sort of threats up front. But you know, Jansen seemed to have uh, you know a cane in his pocket, and, and I thought that we played defensively extremely well. And, and you know, but for the post, which I thought was probably the best player for Tottenham, we probably should have won that match. Yeah. Okay. And David, just talk to you. I mean, I mean, obviously, watching this game is well, watching a lot of games is probably a bit of a pain for you because, like, well, we're you know, I mean, at the moment now, you know, in America, you know, watch any game you're talking about sort of morning stroke, afternoon if you're lucky. For you, you're literally talking wee hours, aren't you? Yeah. So this uh, Tottenham kickoff was a two thirty a.m. Um, and that usually is my my limit for watching a game live. Um, and I was also on a, a family holiday, so uh, the family got up at 7.30 in the morning. I make sure I don't look at my phone. I, I can't check any messages from friends or any scores. Um, and we watched the, the mini highlights, the 25-minute highlights that we can see to start with. Um, and the kids loved it, my, especially my daughter, who's a big uh, Matthias Jensen fan. Um, in fact, she's the only Brentford fan I know that doesn't like Ericsson because it means that Jensen's gone to the bench. Um, so she's very upset about that. So she was ecstatic that he was playing. Um, but yeah, we, we sat around the iPad on, on our holiday to, to watch the highlights and we were really, really pleased with, with how they performed. Okay, and, and your main takeaways from that game? I think um, one of my Spurs friends sent me a message and he said we were so organised. Um, so the, the other two guys have spoken about our defence and, and that's what we were. We were so organised across the pitch. Um, the, the week before I'd actually watched the... Um, the Spurs match with some, we call them mates, I, I think I like your word chums better, but with my, my Spurs mates, the uh, Tassie Oz Spurs group, and I watched Brighton play Spurs, and they Brighton really pressed them, and I thought, that that's the exact same way we've been playing, that, that high press put pressure on them in their midfield, so they couldn't get that ball forward to Sun and Kane, and so I don't think we copied Brighton, it's just the way we've been playing, and we did the same thing, we pressed them, we pushed them, um, didn't give them time on the ball, and then when they moved into our half, everyone pushed back to be ready to fill the space and they knew how to play their role. So I was worried when, when I saw the, the injuries, especially I think um, A has been playing so well for us, that, that push, that run he's been having from the defence has been great. But we were so organised at the back and we were able to cope and I think it was a, a, a really great display across the whole park. Listen, I mean... You live in Tasmania, right? Listen, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around this, like you know what I'm saying, because like this is this is new for anyone coming from my part of the world. Now, for you to link up because you're part of the Aussie bees to link up with other Aussie bees, that's not going to be easy, is it? And also for you to try and convert other people on your island to be Brentford, that's not easy, is it? 
it's not easy, but uh, I've got a lot of Brentford jumpers and a lot of Brentford tops that I'm always wearing, so uh, so people can see me. And I had um, on my trip uh, on the west coast of Tasmania, I had a Liverpool fan stop me and talk to me about Brentford. So uh, yeah, it's difficult to convert and difficult to to get together because the reality is um, English Premier League isn't actually that big down here. Like even the, the Spurs fans struggle to get a pub to to go and watch the game. So. Um, it's more about me watching it myself and, and sharing the joy with my family. It's been great to have all my kids who they've all got their own Brentford tops for this year um, and we'll, we'll watch it together or I'll watch it live and then I'll show them the highlights in the morning. And I used to just show them the wins, but my, my son uh, cottoned on to that and said, I reckon we'll win this one because you're showing us this game, Dad. So so now we watch all the games and uh, they have to handle the, the wins and the, the losses and the draws as well as the wins. That's right. So listen, the Hong Kong B. Um, you, again, you've got probably a similar problem with the time issues as well. I mean, you've been out in Hong Kong for quite a while now, so you, you've probably got used to it. You've got like a little routine going on, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, the, the um, games that are on at the weekends on Saturdays and, and Sundays kick off at 10 o'clock or 11. And it's actually really nice because you've, you've done whatever you're doing on the Saturday and usually you've got that to look forward to. Uh, the night games are a bit more of a struggle because they kick off at, you know, 3.45 or something like that. So you've got to temper down your emotions watching the game on the telly when you've got, like, neighbours and, and family members asleep at that time, you know. And usually they can get an indication of how we've done by the number of sort of positive or negative exclamations that they've heard during the night. That's right. And, and, and your main takeaways from that match? I think the main thing that I thought, I mean, going back to David's point about the, all the extra coverage that there is, I listened to two or three uh, like podcasts, um, football um, during the week. And you know what? Not one of them said, oh, Brentford played well in this. It's all oh, Tottenham. We did a Tottenham. You never know what's going to turn up. And, um, you know, I just can't help thinking that the um, a team with that amount of quality in it you know, you've still got to be doing something right if you're giving them a game. And we should have won that game, uh, to be quite honest with you. The other thing um, I remember is right at the very beginning of the season, um, I met a Crystal Palace fan when I was watching that in, in the pub, the, the Palace game that was nil-nil. And he said, take it from me, the thing that you've got to cope with is that your starting 11 might be really good. But once you get those injuries, that's when you're really going to decide whether you stay up or not, because it's the, the squad that's going to keep you up. And when you look at it yesterday, so, uh, sorry, when you look at it on, on last, sun, last Sunday, you know, the players that we came in, Roslev, Sorensen, Godos, Jan out playing for the Norgard role, you know, it was almost seamless, wasn't it? And I don't think we had that earlier in the season in spells. So um, perhaps that shows how far we've come. Definitely shows how far we've come. But listen, you know, we've had the fans talking, we've had us talking about it as well. But what we're going to do, we're going to go over to somebody who knows his stats. We're going to go to Will Allsop, otherwise known as the Spreadsheet Winker. He's going to give us the lowdown on the Spurs game. Spreadsheet Winker. So what do we need to know about the Spurs game then? B should arguably have won this one. We created 1.62 xG to Spurs 0.58. B's biggest chances came from Brian and Burmo's 91st minute shot at 46%. That was in fact the largest chance of the game, with Spurs only managing to get another shot above 10% once. Harry Kane's 11% opportunity on 55 minutes. Crucially, 
we kept Spurs to having no shots on target, even though all but three of their ten shots were inside the box. Surprisingly, Matthias Jensen had the most pressures of a beast player with 23. The other attackers also had a field day with pressing, Tony with 17 pressures and Mbomo with 18. This shows an excellent effort in the absence of Christian Norgard to break up the opposition play. Crucially, we limited Harry Kane to just 32 touches of the ball, 25% less than in the average game this season. We shut him right up. So there you have it, Will Allsop, the spreadsheet winker. And he was very, very definitive on his thoughts and his views on Tottenham. We should have beaten them. We absolutely outchanced them. Uh, and, you know, we should have, you know, if anything, we should have, uh, we should have, we should have scored. You know, we should have scored and, 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 and to be on the end all. And we limited them to not very much at all. You know, at the end of the day, that's the, you know, that's the situation. I mean, like, you know, we're talking about, um, we're talking about the, the, the stats there. I mean, let me just looking at this game. I'm just going to give you a little stats is uh, we created a high number of chances relative to our possession. We were effective at creating uh uh, goal scoring opportunities from long shots also and we created opportunities from set pieces but we were poor at finishing Tottenham the only thing that they were good at according to um, to, to who scored is they scored, stole the ball from the opposition but they were poor at finishing and they gave the ball away a lot of free kicks around the box so kind of that kind of gives a little bit of a summary as to where we were at I mean again because it was Tottenham we probably don't feel that gutted but if that game was a uh, there's some more riding on that game we'd probably be a little bit more gutted I mean just coming back to you guys around the table here on that one um, I'm just going to ask you first of all um, we sometimes do this where we ask you know how fair was the result um, fairness factor I'm just going to just throw it into the pot there just um, David what do you think give us a fairness factor out of 100 for that game uh, I think probably about uh, 55 I think Ooh. we should have won I think if we were fair if it was high, in the higher the ratings we should have won the post saved them twice um, so that that's my judgment there John yeah, I, mean, I think it was. I, I agree. It was pretty fair. Uh, you know, I, I we should give us a number. Won, but I mean, give us a number. Uh, so uh, I would say sixty. Ooh, okay, sixty. And that, again, so fairness factor is sixty as well. Um, Harold, give us a fairness factor on that one. I would say fifty-five. I think it was quite a fair result. But uh, yeah, when you hit the, the woodwork twice, uh, yeah, you you hope you get at least a little bit more lucky. So and, and, it, it was fair, but you feel a little bit. We let look. Okay, Hong Kong B. Yeah, I was I was thinking about 60, 65. Um, Spurs did have a better second half, but yeah, I came away thinking we should have won it. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, and interestingly, I mean, even for goal, as as a as the week has said, you know, one point six two to for Brentford to zero point five eight. So they had literally all these tiny little speckles in the area. We stopped them from actually kind of creating big chances and we had two massive chances in the area and another pretty large chance in the area plus lots of little smaller ones so our XG was larger than that but it's interesting they gave the fairness rating at 76 on InfoGoal which actually makes it kind of like it was a unfair result but it wasn't as massively unfair as, as you guys have been saying as well like you know so if anything it should have swung to us but you know we should be kind of happy with that so but listen you know which is quite which I think is quite 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 interesting I mean I'm just going to go back to this game here quickly. Um, Tottenham, okay, this game has sort of set us up. I wouldn't say set us up for the end of the season, but, you know, the, it's almost like the Chelsea game came and the Chelsea game, beating Chelsea was the 
almost like the be on the end all and everything else that's happened. I wouldn't say it's been a bonus, but it's almost like it's sort of taken the edge off it a little bit. Are you feeling exactly the same way about that? Because for me, I was thinking Tottenham's going to come. If we beat Tottenham, it's, it's, it's not going to be quite the same because we've already given Chelsea a good stake in. David? Yeah, I think uh, I think the team is a little bit more relaxed. Uh, we haven't had that pressure. Like you think about what Everton's going through at the moment. Um, they're they're worried about where their next points are coming from. Um, and I kind of laugh because a lot of their Twitter followers are like, oh, well, three points against Brentford coming on. I'm like, well, you haven't seen how we're playing the last few weeks because the team has got that just that confidence. And I know everyone talks about Ericsson, but I think it's the way that Ericsson's confidence has given to the other boys. Like like I said before, A is running from the back because he knows that Ericsson will, will drop back if he needs to or he knows that he's going to be there. Um, the way that, that Tony and Mbwema are ready to run because they know when Ericsson's got the ball, they make the run straight away because they've got it. So I think that confidence we've got that a lot of those other teams don't have. Maybe Burnley's starting to have it a little bit with a few results um, recently. But yeah, I think we're, I think we're, we're very relaxed. So, okay. Yeah, right. I thought that um, old habits die hard watching that game. I, I still was saying to um, my son, look, they're going to go and score with their first attack. They've done nothing because we saw that pattern again and again earlier in the season. But it didn't happen. And it'd be great if we've, we've got that out of our, out of our operating and, and, and just playing with more confidence and, and more relaxed to be great for the end of the season. That's right. OK, so listen. We're going to go over to somebody who always makes me smile. We had him on the podcast last week. It was completely out of the blue. We dragged him off the stadium tour. He came down the pod, uh, well, down the pub with us. He had a few pints and we sat down and we just had a live podcast in the pub, which I've got, we've got to do that again. We were down the globe and it was really good to do that again. But anyway, JB, he's always got facts and funk. We need to go over to JB to see what facts and funk, maybe some international facts and funk he's got this week. Jonathan Virtual here again. We recorded our third goalless draw of the season on Saturday against another London club, following up on our two previous 0-0 draws with Crystal Palace. Our starting eleven had 10 of last season's championship squad in it and kept a clean sheet against a side with England's captain and centre forward. Although there were no goals, we did win 12 corners, which is three times our average for this season. We haven't had more corners in a league game since the 13 during a 1-1 draw with Bristol City in September 2019 at Griffin Park. Having many corners is no guarantee of a win. In the last 10 league games where we've had 12 or more corners, we've taken just 10 out of a possible 30 points. We've now reached 40 points for the season. In the 41 seasons since the 3 points for a win was introduced, the only time we failed to reach that level was the 37 in 2006-07 when we were relegated to the 4th tier. The last time we hosted Tottenham was in a second round first leg League Cup tie of 2000. That also finished 0-0 with the second leg a 2-0 defeat. Off the pitch, things were very different, as chairman and manager Ron Nodes reportedly ordered the players not to swap shirts with the Tottenham players at the end of the game, as he said the club couldn't afford replacements, and a replacement would take two months to arrive. So there you go, JB, with his facts and funk, and this he talked about. 10 of last week's or uh, 10 of last season's championship squad 
being, uh, you know, in that Spurs game. You know, I know we talked about that a little bit earlier as well. He talked about corners, you know, and uh, you know, the fact that... Uh, and that's the thing that actually surprised me, because we had loads of corners. I mean, it's really funny. Me and Laney and the Dutchman, we kept on sort of hitting each other. Every time we got another corner, it's just like it was, it was getting really exciting. We were like sort of kids in the playground, like, you know. It's like, oh, that was another corner, like, you know, just sort of slapping each other, like, you know, because it was, it was almost like it was, it was fun. It was one of those games, and somebody might have said it onto the, the, onto, on in the post-match podcast, saying that, there was there wasn't really any stage in that game where we felt that um, Brentford were in trouble, which is which is really weird uh, considering you're playing a team with such quality with you know people like Kane and uh, and Son who are, who are brilliant players like you know and I really didn't have any worries in that game that we were going to lose that game at all and and there was just pings pings that you had at stage that we were going to win them anyway but interestingly he talked about as well Ron Nodes era. And the fact that we uh, we had a nil-all draw against Tottenham, what, 20-odd years ago. And Ron knows our chairman at the time, or our owner at the time, who was popular for a year when we all wore the white wigs, because we thought it was brilliant. He's putting lots of money into the club. And then a year later, we found out that he was actually, well, almost like siphoning the money out. And he was putting us into lots of trouble, which puts us into a lot of debt, which was only sort of kind of bailed out a few years well, about 10 years later by Matthew Benham, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, but anyway, we liked him at the time, but he wouldn't allow the Brentford players to swap shirts because we couldn't afford it at the time. I'm just wondering, and I'm just throwing the, into the pot here, does anyone have any other swap shirt stories or any strange stories like that they want to tell David? Uh, not quite the swap shirt, but I just want to thank uh, JB for bringing up that 6 07 season again, not getting to 40 points, the, the main season that I, I was... The first season I started following in London, it's like bringing back some nightmares. But uh, uh, yeah, so just a, a big thanks to JB. But also with those corners you were talking about, I think the way that, that Ericsson had, can, can vary the corners has been great. And the way that Tony was able to move away from Sun to get to that back post and bring the ball in. Like, I know we didn't score, but we were always the, the chance of scoring, which I think is going to serve us well towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, John, I'm going to ask you, I mean, is this... You're talking about trying to build up fans and you're talking about, interestingly, about the increase in fans internationally. And I've, we've noticed at this, this season the amount of international fans who have contacted us after the Arsenal game said, we've never heard of Brentford before. We saw you beat Arsenal. We Googled, saw your, you know, your podcast and now we listen to it every week. And it's great to have you all on board. Honestly, it really is. It's so fantastic. But I'm just wondering as well, because in your sort of kind of like almost ambassadorial role <laughs> that you've got in America, trying to get more fans... Do you might get the old shirts out, get the sh- get the shirts over from the UK, and you start swapping your shirts with uh, with the locals, like you know, with the, the, the with the, the local New England Revolution or whoever it may be, the Seattle Sounders fans. So I haven't done that. What I've done actually is I, I coached my my boys uh, for a number of years, and uh, we were actually the bees playing in, in sort of a high level travel program here in the US. And I used to bring them stuff back, patches, pins. Uh, and make sure they wore it on the bags. Our, our club crest was was always prominently on display. We'd bring the flag out before every match and take pictures. So I've got probably about 20 or 30 kids over the years to uh, adopt Brentford as a result of that. Um, and so every so often we sort of share the imagery and, and, and you know get shirts for some of the kids who, who ask for it when we come back. So um, not not search swapping, but but definitely using sort of that grassroots movement to uh, to promote the bees. Oh, yeah, definite merchandise, you know, down the, down the old Porter Cabin Club Shop. I bet you were. We'd have to get Club Shop Anne in, actually, to see if she can actually get you some more stuff down, like, you know, old Scotch Club Shop Anne. Uh, the, the Hong Kong Bee. Yeah, um, most of the um, people that I've got to know uh, supporting Brentford in, in Hong Kong, I've met through the um, uh, Hong Kong Soccer Sevens event. 
um, hasn't been on for a couple of years for obvious reasons. But um, there's all, uh, I've obviously got to know people by wearing Brentford shirts and getting chatting. There's also been quite a few um, ex-Brentford players playing in the Masters teams. So Tony Seeley's involved in the Hong Kong Football Club. He he, he lives in Hong Kong. I've also met um, Paul Evans, Lloyd Awusu, Gary Alexander, um, uh, Paul Smith and Dean Holdsworth. Oh, and, no. and my, and my did you tell him about the gnome? We, we still got his gnome from that. We won for the player of the season in 1990, I think it was. He, he didn't never picked it up. And every time we ask him about it, he kind of goes, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up later. I, I didn't I didn't know that, that story. But um, I, he, he saw me and he goes, oi, oi, Brentford shirt. And I said, oh, right, do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to sign my Brentford shirt? Um, and looked around for, for like a pen off some steward or something. And he signed my Brentford shirt, although you could actually replace the word signed with the word ruined. Because with this <laughs> massive marker pen, he's done the most enormous signature you've ever seen going all the way. It's like the size of the sponsor, not like the sort of usual delicate, sophisticated shirt signing that you usually get. Typical Dino, but if he, listen, if he comes down to the Hong Kong Sevens again, please tell him to pick up his gnome. Uh, like I said to you, it's been, what, 30-odd years now that it's been sitting on our uh, mantelpiece, like, you know, uh-huh. just waiting for him to collect it. So, uh-huh. anyway, listen, we've had a good chat about that Tottenham game. Brentford did very well indeed. We were all very happy. Internationally, we're very happy. We're going to go away. We're going to have another little drink, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about international bees. <laughs> So we've got the international bees in the house. And this is our opportunity. Listen, tell you something, it's really interesting. Just to just find out what it's like to be a fan who, to be quite honest with you, you can't literally just jump on a train, you know, and go to the match. You know, you can't literally just, you know, pop down the road and go to a match. Or if you decide you want to go down the pub and see it with a, a load of characters like we did during the lockdown, you know that you'll turn up at the Globe and there'll be like, you know, 40, 50 characters in the pub that you can watch a game with. It's totally different because you, you're abroad and you've got to sort of kind of, you know, find your own community. You've got to find a community of people that's going to sort of watch a game with you. And obviously, for years, it's been quite difficult because when Brentford weren't um, as high profile as they are now, you know, I mean, I remember when I said I lived in America back in the 80s and 90s and literally no one had any idea who Brentford were. It was really hard to find a football game anyway. You had to go out and find a, a pub that had a massive satellite on the roof that would be beaming Premier League games there was no other games other than that I remember I was struggling to go and see the FA Cup final was it between Oxford and Coventry or something like that it was just honestly it was such hard work so for you to have been a Brentford fan abroad then was hard I know it's probably slightly easier now but because of the growth of the Premier League the natural tendency is for people to support Man United and Man City and Arsenal and so Brentford is kind of not cool but the other thing that I've noticed is that people who seem to like things which are a little bit left field seem to go nah I don't want to support Man United I'm not into that I quite like this idea because you're kooky so even though we are in the top tier now it's almost like you're kind of like the kind of strange team in the top tier is that a kind of good definition John? I don't know about strange in terms of how it's viewed here in the U.S. I would say it's more, you know, I, I think if we were to come in playing dross football and, and, and slow-paced and didn't have much personality, maybe. Um, but I, I think that we came with a high energy, and I think that Arsenal win really set the uh, 
tone for, for the fans who maybe had never seen us before or even other, other folks have never seen this before. So I would say that I'm, I am definitely sort of an oddity in the U.S. in, in terms of who I support, less so maybe now. Um, but it's almost all positive in the sense that you know people generally like who you know how we play. Maybe not the Fulham supporters who've been around for a long time and who knew who we were. Um, but in general, I think it's pretty positive. And, I, and, and most people congratulate me, pat me on the back, and then you know same thing when I come over for a match in the UK. Uh, everybody kind of laughs that I'm an American B supporting uh, from over there. Um, but that'll probably be less so as, as the time goes by. So l- less, I think less. Uh, um, uh, sort of looking at us as, as, as sort of wonky, you know, sort of diff- different types of folks, and more more like you caught on to something before it was cool. Yeah, listen, uh, this is the second time you've mentioned the F word on this podcast, okay, Fulham? And, yeah, and, and you've only been supporting us for 2014. You obviously know the relevance of Fulham. I'm just wondering, is the Fulham beef as big in America as it is in the UK? I would say within the community. So, so maybe not so much as, you know, everybody kind of knows about it, even if you're not part of a Brentford or Fulham community. And I mention it because uh, I kind of sort of got to know the Fulham uh, uh, supporters club head. And, and so last year, of course, at the end of the year, uh, or the year before last, excuse me, when we went in the, uh, in the playoff finals, uh, we were on quite a few sort of podcasts and things together with like the BBC and others. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we sort of had a good natured, but also um, sort of tense rivalry where, um, you know, it was like like and dislike at the same time. So, so that sort of, there is that sort of passion. And I think that for the U.S. supporters who are new, they get the Fulham rivalry. I think where I still still have an appreciation because I know a lot of the old school fans is the QPR rivalry, which hasn't been as heated really since I've been a fan. Um, but I have the history and appreciation of it that maybe is lost on some of the newer supporters. But I definitely think that people are are chomping at the bit to see Fulham back in the Premier League next year in some ways, if they have to come up, that is, um, it, it, to, to sort of see that rivalry renewed. David. Yeah, I think um, from an Australian perspective, the Fulham rivalry is tough because Mark Schwarzer was such a popular player in Australia, the goalkeeper who played for Fulham when they were in the Premier League. Um, but I think the true Brentford supporters know that know that rivalry. And we, we love a, a, a derby here when you're playing that, that local team, so they really get behind that. Um, but to answer your question before, you were talking to, to John about Brentford and why Brentford. A, a lot of my friends, it's about that. Um, they know the movie Moneyball. They they really like that analytical approach, that statistical approach that we've used that other clubs haven't. And in in a way, we're kind of lucky that that, that Matthew fell into our lap really, and and he's been able to to lead us down this path. But it's it's a story to tell. And I know we got the the Sky Sports Brentford and all that type of stuff the last couple of years, but it is it is a fantastic story of a, of a small club that has decided to do something different, the Brentford B experiment. Um, so the fact that you can actually now read articles and you've got papers like The Athletic who do such quality um, pieces and you can show them to your friends. And now I've got Danish friends who, who love the Danish connection as well. So um, I think there's that side of things as well that, that people really get behind and, and are really interested in. Harold? I think in the Netherlands it's a, a bit different. We're not looking into like, like say, uh, big derbies or, 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 or an analytical approach. But what you see, a lot of football fans here back in the Netherlands uh, are interested in generally in, in, in football in the UK, in English football, mainly Premier League. But a lot of people uh, have a little bit of distaste of uh, you know all the things which are part of modern football, like uh, very rich owners. Uh, uh, big spending, getting a lot of players, including, that sounds a little bit strange as an international bee, including a stadium which is full of people coming 
only for one game a year, like at Barcelona, for, for example. Uh, if you go to uh, a game in Barcelona, I think 60-70% of the people in the stadium is a tourist. So it's, it, it sounds a little bit strange maybe, but what Brentford attracts for a lot of football fans, and we have some big promoters in the Netherlands, like uh, a very well-known football journalist uh, who works for the, for the most uh, well-known newspaper. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm not very famous in the Netherlands, but I promote myself as well. Uh, but what really attracts Brentford for a, a longer time than, than Premier League, so uh, for, for five, seven, six, maybe ten years, is the fact that it's old school. It's the, the atmosphere at the uh, old Griffin Park. It's the thing that you could talk uh, when you go to visit the club uh, to players after the match. It was possible at least uh, when you go into Bremer Road. And that's what really attracts people. And I will tell you one thing. All these games are now broadcasted on, let's say, the Dutch equivalent of, uh, of Sky Sports as well. Um, uh, there are only two clubs which are broadcasted in the Netherlands uh, from the English Premier League. And there are Liverpool and, uh, and Brentford, where the commentator uh, wouldn't say a word at the beginning of a match. That is because, uh, of course, at Liverpool, they will sing You Never Walk Alone. And at Brentford, of course, we've got Hey Jude. And the commentator will stay silent because of the atmosphere, because he wants to uh, and let the audience or the, 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 the spectators on the television enjoy New Griffin Park. Everybody singing in the West End and all grounds. Hey, Jude. And I think that says for me what people in the Netherlands think about Brentford. It's not about, you know, the fresh approach or that 10 championship players are out of 11 players uh, now in the Premier League. But I think people yeah, consider Brentford as proper. And I, as Billy mentioned earlier in this podcast, I took a lot of my own friends to Brentford. So we could sometimes come with 12, 13 people in the past. It's now a little bit more difficult with the memberships. So we come with, with smaller groups, but they all got hooked because of that fact. It's the really proper uh, club feeling. And of course, yeah, we're now not hoofing balls anymore. So we're not playing proper football as well. Um, and Harold, as a matter of interest, because I've never asked this as well, what team do you support in Holland? I support Ajax in Holland. Okay, yeah. so so it's interesting because you've got Ajax as well. And in, I mean, this is a bit of a link, I suppose, to uh, the team that we're playing on Bank Holiday Monday, because obviously they're, 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 the, the, the manager or ex-manager of Ajax is going to go to Manchester United. So I know we could probably talk about this later, but I'm just wondering what is the the similarities and differences and also kind of like how how i'm just wondering that 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 dane that 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 sort of a dutch brentford link there i mean there is something there because obviously there must be something that you feel between the two countries the fact that you that you enjoy english football so much but also you 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 support a team who is a very big team in in holland but also there are certain values that you have fan values that ix has which obviously you buy into uh, I think some fan values uh, uh, you can compare, but I think that's that's exactly the, the, the difference between the teams because at Ajax, they play, uh, maybe some of you or some of the listeners have been to, they play at a very big stadium. It's a very quite new stadium from the 90s and it's not anywhere near, let's say, a, a local neighborhood or, or something like that. It's a, it's really modern. It's it's not like Reading with uh, 25 roundabouts <laughs> before you enter the stadium. But it's it's not you know um, let's say four pubs on the corner uh, in a, a local neighborhood. Uh, people know each other. It's not family, and I think that's attracting a lot of people actually from the Netherlands to smaller English clubs 
and Brentford in particular, because uh, anybody seems to think, well, this is what football was invented about, uh, at least as a fan. Hong Kong B, I mean, you come over to games from Hong Kong. I'm just going to ask a question because, I mean, we have, I mean, I'm almost having nightmares. I haven't missed a game this season so far, home or away. And I'm going back, leaving America on Sunday, flying straight into London, then going up to Old Trafford. And I will continue my run of missing the game. But I'm a little bit nervous that something's going to go horribly wrong. And I'm going to miss that game. I'm going to be absolutely gutted if I miss that Man United game because if the plane was delayed or diverted or just something had happened like you know what i'm saying have you had any kind of weird traveling stories that you could tell us you know that you'd have more traveling stories than we will ever had because like if the train you know the southwest train stops from waterloo to brentford you just get the tube but you have more problems don't you yeah i mean th- there's been times where um i've come over f- for the game and the flight from hong kong um and all that has gone well uh, but I've got to London and it's just getting from, from Waterloo to Brentford that's been the hardest bit. That That's happened on occasion. But um, the, I think the, um, the the difficulty, obviously, in the last couple of years is that you haven't been able to do the travel. Um, and, um, yeah, so we, we do feel like we've missed out a bit. I've not been to Lionel Road yet. And, it, and it's quite interesting because a lot of the other um, people have already gone through that experience of leaving Griffin Park I was lucky enough to go to the last game with fans in it against Sheffield Wednesday uh that was my last game but I haven't gone on that sort of acclimatization to the new Griffin Park yet so um I'm looking forward to that to happen but you guys will all be used to it by then um the 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 other thing is that um yeah before the pandemic and when in my previous job I had quite a lot of flexibility about coming back and my 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 finest hour was when I confected a, a, a training course in the UK so I could come back for the Johnson's Pate Trophy final. Um, might be a little bit harder now um, to, 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 come, to come back quite so easily, but um, I'm looking to get back in the summer and hopefully, um, uh, yeah, I was really hoping we've got to stay up because I want to see Brentford in the Premier League. And uh, of course we have, so that's, uh, that's good. That's right. Got an, got an extension. I only got one worry about traveling. That's while I'm getting a little bit worried that I'm going to get refused on the flight back because I had some flights back on the right after the match. <laughs> and when you get very excited, you go to the globe after the match or other club. That's my main worry while traveling. So, so basically, <laughs> uh, traveling, traveling back intoxicated, basically, and being refused at the at yeah. the gate. I've seen you guys after the games a few times and I was thinking are you really going back home straight after this game but you know but that's part of the enjoyment as well David you have to be careful with that uh, the flight home afterwards um, this is when I was living in London it's not a flight but when I went to um, Swindon away for one of the League Cup games I, I booked my train I was so happy with myself had it all planned out and of course the game went to penalties and I, I was missed my train Luckily, I found a, a nice uh, person at the train station just to let me get on the next train. But uh, don't do that with your, your plane trips. If, it, if there's a chance you can go to penalties, be careful. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, listen, I mean, we talked about this just slightly. I mean, does your, obviously, I mean, Harold talked about, you know, having his family over. I mean, he's on a he's on a Dutch weekend, but, you know, he slipped out of the Dutch weekend there to talk about our podcast here as well. You know, you, David, you talked about having your family on a bit of a holiday, you know, and you actually watched the Spurs game. I mean, 
do in general your family sort of buy into the Brentford experience or is there a little bit of grizzling going around I'm just wondering John no we're 100% bought in we were all there to storm the pitch at Preston North End everybody gathers around the TV um, no matter what anybody's watching if the Brentford matches on everybody stops what they're doing we gather and, and, and sort of just watch and support the game and and like I said, you know, for for the, the youth teams and everything else that we did, the whole family was involved in that. So we're all 100% Brentford through and through. Hong Kong. Yeah, just talking about that um, Preston game, John, I was planning to come back for the end of that season because we closed in on promotion and I was plotting it up and it just all happened too quickly. And suddenly the Preston game happened, other results went our way and I realised it was going to be over before I could organise to come over. So I, I was just listening to that one on... Um, bees player or whatever it was and i thought like well what am i going to do now because we've got promoted and i wanted to sort of celebrate so i phoned up a couple of mates next day and said will you come out with me to celebrate brentford getting promoted and they came for a couple of couple of drinks and i still felt like a little bit of a a letdown what am i going to do so i went back into the house and i've got a ton of brentford books and normally that there's a reason or historically at least that brentford aren't playing well and I've always got a reason to not read those Brentford books because I'm pissed off about how we've lost or something like that so I'm gonna I gathered them all up went down the pub and I said right I'm just gonna sit on a table on my own and I'm just gonna dive into these Brentford books came out of the pub and there was a local Hong Kong guy there in just walking down the road with a t-shirt on that said the Beatles hey Jude <laughs> and I was like wow this is some providence at work here so i went up to him and i said oh, i've got to have a photo taken with you because i'm in my brentford shirt and i've got a pile of brentford books and i'm pointing at his t-shirt and this guy didn't speak english and he didn't have a clue what i was going on about um so i took <laughs> at all i took the photo with him and uh yeah he, he's probably still one he's probably still wondering what that was about that's right and it's up on your wall in your bedroom right now you know very proud moment like you know david yeah, my, my family's uh, all jumped on board. Um, even my, my dad, um, he was a big Arsenal supporter. He's basically disowned them as well because he, he loves the story of Brentford. But um, my girls, they, they don't usually like watching sport on the TV unless it's women's sport. And But they've really loved Brentford. I think the uh, the playoff final that we lost, we won't mention the team's name, um, that run-in, that, that excitement that they saw me getting, the, the chance that Brentford was going to be in the Premier League, they... they they jumped in and, and loved it and um, I've never seen them so angry at the TV as when Mitrovic um, basically conned the referee to give away that, that free kick that, that they scored over over Raya but that they love it and now my wife as well she's usually a live sport fan and won't really sit in front of the TV and, and she watches the Brentford the highlights too so I think that I can be there and, and watch a whole 90 minute match and then I can make it so it's a, a the the, op- the Optus we use is our sport, so we don't get the Sky Sports coverage. We get the um, Michael Owen and um, uh, Tim Sherwood, a few of the others. We don't get the Gary Neville coverage. Um, they do it in a 25-minute clip, and it's, it's perfect for the kids to watch. They love it. They see the highlights. They see their players. My, my son's a big Ivan Tony fan, um, and my, my other daughter's a, a, Janssen, a, a Pontus Janssen fan. So, um, yeah, they've, they've really really just they love it that's a, the whole experience which which i think adds adds something for me because i get to share it with them instead of it's being such a an individual thing so it's absolutely wonderful that they're on the journey as well that's right harold well i'm coming over uh, a, lot, a couple of times a, a year as you already mentioned with my best mate and other mates so a lot of mates are 
into Brentford uh, yet. If I look at my family, well, my oldest son is four years old, so he's now going to primary school. And he's, of course, learning Dutch. And they get some little bit English lessons, but he already knows the word Brentford and he knows what it means. That's all good. Let's really like that as well. So listen, I mean, we've listened to us lot. It's crude international bees. I, I count myself in as an international bee, even if it's temporary. I'm, I'm on loan to the international bees for this week and I'll be back again in the UK. But tell you something, we've got so many other international bees. We're going to go over and we're going to hear the stories from some of our international bees right now. Hey, Billy. This is Katie Jordan from Atlanta, Georgia. I have lived in Georgia all my life. I've grown up an Atlanta sports fan, and I went to the University of Georgia. Go dogs! I started supporting Brentford after the season opener victory against Arsenal. I've been a season ticket holder and drummer in the pit for Atlanta United since 2019. All my Atlanta United friends supported a Premier League team, but I didn't understand just picking a team without a connection. If uh, any of you know about Atlanta sports, you know that we have had a slew of heartbreaking losses, collapses, and until just recently, we could never make it to the top. Uh, When I learned more about Brentford, I thought finally a team and a fan base that I can relate to. You get the struggle. Um, After that, I started listening to the Besotted, and I get every match on TV I haven't been to a match yet in person, but I have my flight set to see Brentford against Southampton on May 7th. Um, My favorite match this season was the win against Chelsea. The win felt amazing. To hear lifelong bees talk about it as the best victory in club history, it gives me a little something to tie me in as a new fan. I wish I could attend more matches, but if any other bees are in Atlanta, look me up. Or find me at a resurgence tailgate at Atlanta United matches. Come on, you bees. Hi, Billy. It's Phil Gibson here from Hawke's Bay in New Zealand, a mere 18,000 kilometres away. I've been supporting Brentford since 1970, and I've spent the last 16 years supporting Brentford here in New Zealand. My local pub used to be called the Londoner. Not only that, but they also sold London Pride, And one night I was explaining to the manager there that they should be doing more to support Brentford as a football team. And as I mentioned that magical word Brentford, another customer walked behind me and said, Oh, Brentford? Yeah, I support them. So the good news is that we now have at least two Brentford supporters here in New Zealand. Hello, my name is Kevin Wisniewski and I'm an American Bees fan in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been a Bees fan for nearly 30 years. Um, I met the legendary Billy the Bee back in the mid-90s when I was over in London. Uh, I had gone to university with his brother Reg down in Florida. Billy took me to my first Bees match. It was an away day in Bournemouth. I had a great time in the pub before and after. About a month later, he took me to a home match at Griffin Park, and basically I've been hooked ever since. It wasn't always easy following the Bees from afar, but once they made the championship, we got to see a lot more matches. Over the years, when I would tell people I was a Brentford fan, they just kind of look at me with a blank stare and say, who? But um, I've even got a mate over here who's a Newcastle fan. He tweeted the other day that I'm the only Brentford fan he's ever met in real life. Um, We've got a local sports bar here that's uh, home to the Nashville Spurs supporters group. So uh, last week, my son and I put on our Bees home kit, and we went down there to sit amongst them all and watch the 0-0 draw. It's just been fantastic to finally see the Bees getting so much respect to run the league. I think the highlight of the season for me was the 4-1 smackdown of the world champion Chelsea. 
Uh, I think we dominated them in both matches and were unlucky in the first, but that win at Stamford Bridge was magical. It's just been an amazing season, and I look forward to finishing in the top 10 and sending Leeds down in the final match. Come on, you bees. What's the story? My name's Tom. I'm a Brentford fan in Madrid, Spain. Been a fan for over 20 years. Missed the stadium, uh, but I managed to watch most of the games online over here. My favourite story is probably the contrast between the two playoff finals. The first one I watched under lockdown in a remote place in the north of Spain, forcing one local to watch with me and join me as I drowned my sorrows with coffee liqueur afterwards. Second one, I managed to get about 12 locals down to a pub in Madrid and celebrated throughout the night. Come on, you bees. My name is Santiago Cueva. I live in Guadalajara, Mexico. I've lived here all my life. Um, I've supported Brentford for two and a half years now. And how do I support it locally? By waking up every weekend at 7, 8, 9 a.m., uh, gathering some friends at that uh, so early in the, in the morning and watching the games, um, contacting another supporters from Mexico and, and sharing how great has been uh, being a Brentford fan with uh, friends and family. And I, I started to support Brentford because, uh, because of the, this Moneyball story you know, about Matthew Benham and, and his system. So I, I, I thought it was quite exciting. And then I start, start following the, the team and then I just fell in love with it because uh, you get used to, to, to the success. It's easy, it's easy to fall in love with this team because they play so well, they play so aggressive, they have amazing players and, and I just fell in love with it and, and have been able to, to go to a few games in the new ground and, and I mean I feel like I've been following Brentford for all my uh, since all my life. Hey guys, my name is Seth Watkins. I live in Los Angeles where I've been for the past three years going to UCLA. Uh, in 2003 when I was only four years old my dad met a guy named Monty Munford at a business conference and Monty told him all about the bees. My dad decided right then and there that he would become a Brentford fan, and we've been Bees fans ever since. Uh, we watch all the games here in California, and we're of course thrilled with the team's success. Up the Bees! Hi all, Andy Watson, Dubai Bee. Uh, obviously based in Dubai for the last 10 years, but uh, been uh, out in the Middle East for the last 20 years, spreading the word of Brentford around Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and the UAE. Been a Bees fan for 40 years now, thanks to my father. Took me to my first ever game, I think, 82. Uh, hook from then. Tried following some teams locally, uh, particularly in Bahrain. I, I got into a team called Maharuk, but um, to be honest, it wasn't the Bees and it wasn't Griffin Park. So, um, my favourite live Brentford match. Uh, oh God, uh, I, I'm going to go two. Uh, one when I was a kid uh, was the Newport County. Freight Rover or whatever it was called, semi-final at um, uh, Griffin Park, bundling down the Royal Oak on the side of the pitch, 6-0, uh, knowing we were going to Wembley. Um, and then, do you know what, I'm actually going to go with Fulham, the 4-0, um, just because it was the end of an epic weekender. Um, and then knowing that I was going to see my first promotion, uh, I knew then. Favourite match this season? Uh, Arsenal at home. It's got to... Uh, 
of being the perfect storm. I was watched it in my local bar with some friends and um, just everything about it, you know. First Premier League game, first capacity, uh, full capacity in, in the new stadium. Uh, obviously, 2-0 win against Arsenal. I lived off that one for a while. Uh, went for a hair of the dog the next day and lo and behold, they're rerunning the game. Uh, how's your luck? And uh, got on it again. Hi, my name's Nick. I'm a professional DJ living in the south of France, near to Cannes, where I've been for the last seven years. Basically the whole period of time that Brentford have started to get good. Uh, I've been a Brentford supporter my whole life. My dad took me and my brother down to Griffin Park some 40 years ago, and he was taken down there by his granddad some 65, 70 years ago. So uh, we are all absolutely Brentford obsessed in the family. My uh, Bees International story is that where I walk my dog locally to here, I'm told that there is another dog walker who is actually Neil Mopé's mother. I'm yet to meet her, but I'm hoping to do soon. Thanks very much. Up the Bees. So, yes, International Bees. We've got quite, quite a few of them. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, Hong Kong Bee, you've got a little tail, haven't you? Yeah, I was just gonna sort of like talk about the um, first game of the season when um, we beat Arsenal and just what an experience that was like the next day, because you know Brentford were top of the Premier League, and uh, you know you walk around in Hong Kong and you see lots of football shirts, um, but it doesn't the, the extent of the the football culture here is it's really all about brand as much as anything else you'll see someone in a chelsea shirt or a man united shirt and they're not even guaranteed to especially like football or or support that team so after time you don't even really really speak to them but on that day when i was like properly strutting down the street with brentford on it just was just an incredible experience seeing all these other people coming the other way and looking at me and um you know, it really felt like Brentford had arrived. I think that the, the the expat community in in general is, is you'll, you'll know this from supporting Brentford that uh, the people that you speak to when you're out and about aren't Man United and Arsenal fans. They're people who support the lower league teams because they speak the same language as you. And there's a there's a team in Hong Kong who um, the the expat community is kind of like affiliated to, and um, you see them <coughs> go out and they, they try and recreate the UK experience of going to a football match in Hong Kong. Uh, and it's a bit hit and miss, to be honest, because they go to the, the Mong Kok Stadium, they're bevied up, and the local Hong Kong fans are just not on the same cultural level as, as the UK lot. And they're sort of in their own little clusters. And I went there to watch one game and there was this um, Scouse guy and uh, my daughter says, short beardy guy is going well over the top he looks like thawing oak and shield off the hobbit and and they were two nil up kitschy by this team by time against a team we were bottom of the table looked like they had a team of 14 year olds and it was a corner and you know in a corner we have you know you get a corner you get a little bit a bit excited about it but the kitschy yeah. fans just didn't have that sort of reaction just because you know we've been against billy wince in japan it's it's every fan culture is slightly different at what their trigger points what they respond to Thorin Oakenshield gets up get behind your fucking team he goes to the um, to the local cluster of the hardcore kitschy fans who just don't get what they're doing wrong 
Um, and anyway, at halftime, he'd fallen asleep and, and, and didn't emerge for the second half. Um, carried away. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting that all the people that I've met who really get it are the lower league football fans who've been on that journey with us. That's right. Harold, you've got ticket scenarios, haven't you? You know, of course, you you can reckon that getting tickets is not every time so easy. But, you know, back in, um, in 2013, we were on a replay against Chelsea in the FA Cup. And, uh, yeah, I had to be there. We were at the home game against, uh, it was 2-2 draw, um, if I can remember. So, And in two weeks, it was a replay. But, we, yeah, there was only thing to get a ticket was to queue uh, at the old ticket office in Bremer Road. That's where you get a ticket. You had to queue for a ticket. It was not possible at that time, if I can remember well, to order it online, or at least it was not possible for that particular match. So I had a problem because yeah, I was back in the Netherlands, I couldn't queue <laughs> for a ticket. So uh, I just decided to send um, uh, an email to the to the former CEO of Brentford and uh, to the chairman and ask him, okay, yeah, that's this is the thing. Uh, uh, I'm willing to pay, um, uh, but what can you do for me? No, and I received an email a couple of days later, okay. Uh, give me your credit card number. I will uh, uh, I will charge you for the ticket, and I will send you the ticket to the Netherlands, and you can you can go to the match. That that's for me. Uh, yeah, says anything about Brentford. I, I I wouldn't say another club wouldn't do that, but I can't imagine that the likes of Arsenal or Chelsea or Man United would do that for for a fan. Yes, sir. Maybe they won't do it. Brentford won't do it right now. Because we're such a popular demand, but at, at least uh, that yeah, that says something about the the character of the club. That's right, David. Yeah, and, and my my story is actually pretty similar to Harold's because when I was teaching in London, um, a lot of the kids all went for the the Arsenal's and the Chelsea's and and all that, but they'd never get to go to a game. They couldn't afford it. I was I was teaching a lot of refugee kids, Somalia, Af- Afghanistan, um, people from from Portugal, etc. Uh, sorry, Brazil, um, and. Uh, the kids had never been to a game and they used to give me stick for going for Brentford because we were League One back or League Two even back in that, those days. And I said, well, why don't we organise a school excursion? And the kids were like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So um, met them at the bus at the front of the school, went the, the sorry, we, we rang the club, I sent an email to the club, I've got 20 kids, never been to a game, what can we do? And they said, we'll give you uh, tickets for a pound. And I was like, great, I'll pay for it all. The kids didn't have to pay and they had a fantastic day and I reckon they are now um, lifelong Brentford supporters because of what the club's done. So similar to, to Harold's story, I think it's another reason to love the club because the club really gets behind that type of thing, but especially in the lower leagues when it was so easy to do and, and it makes me so proud to be a B supporter and, and keeps my passion for the club even through those dark years in the, the six, seven, eight era and, and have enjoyed the climb up the ladder that we've had in, in the recent years which is all good. Listen, we're going to go back to our international chums, our friends who have spent time and energy and whatever else it is actually sending in their thoughts about being an international bee. Let's hear a little bit more from our international bees. Hello, my name is Antonio Bergasi. I'm from Hillenden, but I've lived in Dayton, Ohio, USA for the last 18 years. I was introduced to the bees by my good friend, Ian Harrison, over 30 years ago and haven't looked back. So many good memories over the years from being, from almost being run over by Carl Hutchins to buying Terry Evans a pint at my local. Um, I think we're living in dreamland at the moment and long may it continue. Up the bees. 
My name is Bjorna Brun, nicknamed Barney. I have been supporting Brentford for five years. This is my third year as a season ticket holder. I try to come to all the home matches. I travel to some away games too. I don't have a specific favorite live Brentford match because it had been so many great matches. My local team in Norway is Lillestrøm. Former coach Uwe Rössler was the coach of Lillestrøm before he went to Brentford. Rössler brought Brentford to a summer camp in Lillestrøm year 2011. My favorite live match for Brentford this campaign was when we beat Arsenal at home. I'm a proud Brentford supporter because it's the best family club second to none. I feel very welcome in Brentford. Hello you bees, uh, my name is Jan, uh, I'm 42 years old, since 2001 I live in Hamburg, Germany. I support Brentford since the year 2010. Back then I was looking for a non-Premier League match to be my first football game in the UK. Uh, so I found Brentford because they signed uh, German player Marcel Eger from FC St. Pauli, which is a local club I support since 1991. So my first and favorite match with Brentford was a stunning 5-0 win against Legion Orient, which was a wonderful experience because I, it feels like we are welcomed here and we meet many nice people like Billy Grant. The game I loved the most this season was the first game in the Premier League against Arsenal because it feels like, hey, we can really stay in this league. I like Brentford because the fans are still part of the story of the club and not just customers. So it has similar values as St. Pauli, which is important to me. So I can't wait to see Brentford's playing life again. Hi, my name is Adam. I, I live in Toulouse, southwest of France. I've been here for over 25 years now and I've been supporting Brentford for over 40 years. Something funny for you guys. I was working at the club as a senior steward and I helped Peter Gillam for one season organising all the catering and one supporter said to me, he says, this ain't Premier League, son. He says, why you got all these fancy pies? Well, there you go. My name is Life Peterson. I'm a Danish bee from Copenhagen. During the 90s, I lived for a while in Lachine, so I actually knew the club quite well. When I Belham bought my Danish club FV Midtland in 2014, I got to know Brentford even better, and the club has been growing on me since. My favorite live match was the win over Burnley in March, a lovely sunny day with Tony and Ericsson doing their magic. My first Brentford match was at Griffin Park in 2019. It was a gold wrist draw against Stoke, where the BMW certainly didn't fire on all cylinders that day. I think the best match for me this season was the win over Arsenal, I watched it on the telly at home. It was a signal to the rest of the Premier League. You better beware, Brentford has arrived. To me, the Premier League is the most important football league in the world. As a fan, you need to find a club that makes your heart beat faster. That club is Brentford for me. I hope I'll get the chance to watch a Brentford match live again soon. Going crazy to free the desire is much better at the stadium than in my living room. That's a wonderful bee feeling. G'day. I'm Jake. I'm nine. Nice to meet you. I'm 19. I'm from Sydney. I live in Sydney. I support Brentford. My roots from Brentford is that my family, my uncle, my dad were born in West Middlesex Hospital and they've been supporting Brentford since. My first game was in 2006 against Peterborough at home at Griffin Park when there was about 4,000 people 
Uh, I was the mascot at the 2013 game against Doncaster where we lost. That was heartbreaking. Hello, Bissoted. My name is Stan. I come from Marseille in France. I'm an Olympic Marseille fan. I'm a fan of Brentford since 2005 when I met my friend Darren. My first game in Griffin Park against MK Dons in September 2005 in League One. Darren became a very good friend of me and now I follow the bees. My favorite game of Brentford is against Leeds in April 2019. The bees won 2-0 because this is my last game in Griffin Park. This year, I have seen Watford Brentford in Vicarage Road with a very good finish for the bees. I'm a bees fan because Darren is like my brother and for me in London, there is only one team in this Brentford FC. Bye, Billy. Bye to all the Bees fans in the world. Hello, my name's Reggie. I live in Florida. I'm a professor of journalism at a local college, and all I can say is, what a story. Brentford, a team that was close to extinction when it was bought by a fan who had a vision and the means to take his team to the promised land. Technology is amazing. For the last few seasons, I have watched the Bees live from Florida. I have a WhatsApp thread with my former university roommate, Kevin, who's in Nashville, and Scott, a Bees fan in Tampa. We text during every match and send updates throughout the week. I am very excited to be flying over in a few weeks to attend two Bees matches. All I can say is what a team. Disproving all the doubters and the haters, I'm extremely proud. What you've accomplished this season is truly amazing. No one can take that away. So come on, you bees. My name's Charlie Rosier. I live in Auckland and I've been in New Zealand for about 10 years. I spent a couple of years in Malaysia before that. I've supported the bees for 30-something years. Um, So back in the golden years of Neil Smiley, Dino, Gary Blissett, Terry Evans, Billy the Pitbull, um, Dad and my brother Ben are still season ticket holders and I'm a third-generation Brentford fan, so I guess it was always inevitable that I would support the bees. So listen, International Bees, I've got to ask you, because maybe things are different. You you see things with different rose-tinted glasses from the international level. I'm just going to go around the table here and ask you, listen, who's your who's your top player for this season? Harold, you tell me. Me, it's David Rea. He's been outstanding and we missed him so much when he was injured. Uh, and I think to have such a decent, uh, calm, uh, good coach and goalkeeper is such an, uh, an asset to, to, uh, to, to each team. Uh, but in particular, this Brentford team. And what do you, what do your locals? What do your you know your local Dutch people think about him? I'm just interested. Well, I think the most people didn't know him before the Premier League, but he's now you know uh, being called in, uh, called up internationally for Spain. So uh, more people get to know him, and he's being considered as one of the yeah let's say better Premier League uh, goalkeepers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ajax are not going to come in for him, are they? No, I don't think so. But they've got the goalkeeper problem. <laughs> got a big row if they're a number one keeper. But I don't think they come in for them. No. But you might, you might never know. John. 
Yeah, I think Ray is a good shout, but I'd probably go with Christian Norgard. Uh, I think that you know he's sort of the unsung hero. He does all the dirty work, doesn't get the plaudits, doesn't have the sort of you know natural stats that everybody gloms onto. He's just been a rock in that center of the midfield, and, and everything you know offensively and de- defensively sort of starts with him. He's he's passionate. He he seems to be you know everywhere at every moment, and and I think that. You know, without him, it just doesn't. He's the link between the front and the back, and and, and I think you know his, his stats when it comes to sort of defensive plays and challenges are are really unparalleled. The ground he's covered, I think he leads the he leads the league in, in ground covered, um, so he runs his butt off. And so I, I think that it just even though he's a little bit unsung, he has to be sort of the for me the the, the top player uh, this season. Hong Kong. I, I I would have gone with with Raya because you just have to say Brentford's goalkeeper is Spain's number one you know if you'd have said that a few years ago you know that just you'd have thought you, you were mad like so many other things that you could say about this journey we've been on but as, as Ray has been taken I'll probably go for Rico Henry I think just his level of consistency um, and the energy that he gives us and the fact that he's even contributing more at the, at the, at the attacking end than, than last season probably is just sensational how he's not being talked about for England and big money move transfers I don't know but the longer he's under the radar the better I guess David yeah three great shouts I think Raya was, was going to be my one but uh, I can't uh, copy someone so um, I'm, I'm going to go with Ivan Tony. I think um, we we know what he does and other clubs don't I think um, from from my perspective a lot of the people I deal with are into the to fantasy EPL um, and it was great to hear you at the start of the year Billy on the FML FPL program which I listened to as well but um, to to them when he wasn't scoring goals that meant he wasn't playing well but what he was doing off the ball I think has been amazing for us and his his dual wins and I think him and, and Buemo up front what, what I really like seeing them especially the way we're playing this press at the moment is they know that someone next to them is also pressing at the same time. They're working together as a team to make it so difficult for the teams to bring that ball ball out and and they know someone will be there. And if they're not, they get in, stuck into them and tell them why wasn't someone there covering that player. And I think the way they have played and put that pressure on has been fantastic. And uh, I tell you what, it's nervous watching him take the penalty kicks, but doesn't he, doesn't he do them so well? And the goals he scored have, have been so valuable and um, probably the defence have done so well as a unit, you can't uh, signal someone out. So uh, let's go with Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony it is. So listen, we're going to take a little break. We've had a good old chin wag, an international chin wag. We're going to come back after we've had a little drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk Man United. So, big game on Bank holiday Monday we're playing Manchester United at Old Trafford a lot of bees a little bit gutted about this one because everyone was looking forward to this game and then what happens what happens they change it to a Monday night at eight o'clock which means that the kids who are at school the next day can't go unless you're my daughter who's actually going to the match and then she's going to get a train at five o'clock in the morning and go to school immediately off the train hardcore but for most people they can't do and a lot of people they're working as well the next day so a lot of people aren't going so it's not been a bigger game for the Beast fans as, as it should be well it is a big game but they're just a bit gutted that they can't participate but still we're going to have a good crowd there I think we still sold out our 3,000 allocation and I'm very much looking forward to it. Like I said to you, fingers crossed, I can get back on that plane from Tampa flying into the UK on Monday morning and straight to the game, as I'm doing as well. But talking about Tampa, we've got somebody else from Tampa in the house. We've got Devin Walker 
He's from the USA Man United Supporters Club in the house. Devon, how are you? Hi, I'm not bad. Thank you so much for having me on. How's everybody on here? Listen, we're all good, Devin, man. You know, we're just looking forward to this. And uh, to be quite honest with you, like I said, you, we're looking forward to a, a, a good match on, on Monday. But just something, just talk to us a bit about Man United, because you've had a bit of a, I think probably for Manchester, and again, this is not disrespecting you, you've had a bit of a sort of strange season, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's It started out with such highs, I mean, I think from the beginning of the season, when it was that first match day when we unveiled Varane and we came out there and we absolutely ran riot on them. They introduced Ronaldo. Um, he scores a brace on his debut and it was pretty amazing. I actually flew over just for that match and that atmosphere was the loudest I heard Old Trafford since the Sir Alex days and I was really excited. And then it just seemed like there were a couple of results in there. It seemed like they hit a couple of roadblocks. Uh, they sacked Ole and um, then they brought in Ralph and he had he started off strong against Crystal Palace. And it just seems like now the players pretty much gave up the season. Now, as soon as uh, as soon as we left Champions League, they seemed like there was nothing to play for. And I and um, it's it's probably now a case where I think that you're seeing a lot of the egos come in. It's more along the lines of well, he didn't do his job, so it's his fault instead of people taking more people taking responsibility in the team. And this just seems like a defeated squad that just wants to push on to the end, just for the season to be over, whether they move on or whether they stay or whatever it is, but it's definitely a very disappointing end to the season. I expected a lot more from this side. I expected them to at least be trying to push on from last season's second place finish, and that absolutely did not happen. And it's, I have to say, it, it's to me, it's on the players, because how many managers are you going to throw under the bus with the same group of players, pretty much? And uh, there's a lot of clearing on this side that needs to be done. Eric Ten Hag is definitely going to have his work cut out for him. But this season is pretty much done, and it will be an absolute miracle if they even finish above fifth. Right, and and, and interesting because you're talking about managers. You've had um, well, managers come in. I mean, at the beginning of the season, you had a, a legend who was part of the team. Who again, we said this before, and again, not disrespecting you, we were very surprised that he was made manager because we we knew. You know, we knew about him, Solskjaer. We knew about him from the from the Championship days when he was at Cardiff, and he wasn't great there, I have to say. You know, but I think maybe for old school reasons, you know, you kind of hung on to him. And then you've got the Ralph Ranganik who's come in. Who he came in, I think, just before we were meant to play you before. And we were like, oh no, here we go. The other teams changed their manager. He's going to change everything up. Um, have you been a little bit disappointed by the Ranganik sort of kind of uh, stamp on Man United this season? Actually, it's, believe it or not, I really, I don't think many United fans actually blame him for the way this is going. It's, um, Roy Keane said it best, where a leopard doesn't change its spots. And so Ralph was pretty much brought in to try to steer it to the finish line, hopefully get a top four finish, but also to basically given his assessment of the squad. And so with that being said, I think he's pretty much seen who he can depend on, who he can't depend on. If there was any any negative that I think I would say about Ralph, from my opinion, it's that I would have liked to have seen Eric Bailly get more chances. But besides that, um, we shall see how the rest of the season goes. And I want to see him give youth for the rest of the season an opportunity. So I'm just going to put it out to the floor in a little bit now. But I'm just going to say one other thing, because we've been doing an international podcast today. We've got international bees in the house. Basically, everybody on this podcast is international. They're, they're in some country from Tasmania to Hong Kong to Holland. You know what I'm saying? And we've got you in Tampa. I'm in Tallahassee. I'm just wondering, because obviously 
you're, you're not anywhere near Manchester. I mean, some people are laughing, saying, well, that's usual. But I mean, I know for a fact that that's not true. We've also got Andy Mitten, who is based in Manchester, who is very hardcore Manchester. And there's obviously some hardcore Man United fans. But you're very different to us because for years you have started to become, become much more international as a team. You know, you're, you're on TV, you start winning things and you start to get an international audience. And also Man United plays out to that. They start going on tour internationally to pick up fans. And obviously you're one of these fans. I mean, what is it like being a Man United fan and why? did you become a Manchester United fan? So actually the reason why I'm a Manchester United fan is at the time when I first started into football, I was actually living in Barbados. And so the name across the Caribbean at the time was Dwight York. And so it's funny because it was that season when he signed for Manchester United. And it's if I had started following the sport the year before, I'd be an Aston Villa fan right now. So Dwight York is the number one reason why I'm a Manchester United fan and I've stuck with it since. And then I started watching some of the results. And one thing that stuck with me, especially during the Sir Alex days, was they always had this never say die mentality. Whereas even when the going seemed tough, it was they were always finding some way to grind it out and pull out a result. And another thing that has also been great for, great to me for the rest of my life is I've I've traveled a lot, I've moved around a lot. And no matter where in the world I went, I always met a Manchester United fan. And that's something that I love because that means, that means I have someone that I know, someone I can speak about, so I'm not feeling as lonely as a stranger when I'm going to different places. That's right. And, and also, I mean, there is a link with Brentford there, because also you're big friends with one of our top strikers back in the day, Gary Blissett, isn't it? Yes. Yes, I'm definitely very good friends with Gary as well, too. Uh, sometimes when I'm out on the training pitch out here, because I do play Sunday League, and he manages an academy out here. So it was great to, to chat with him. And uh, we always send texts, always with banter with each other and everything too. Gary's a great guy as well. That's right, that's right. David. So, Devin, you talk about the fact that you you want to blame, the, the players need to take some of the blame. But I think one of the things we're proud of at Brentford is a is basically a no-idiots policy. Um, and it seems as though some of the Man United players don't have that... Um, the the willingness to, to train or play together as a team like it's not like you haven't had the money you've spent a lot of money um, do you, and surely some blame has to come to the recruiters for the players that have actually they've that have been brought in to to make this a to it's been difficult to gel as a team really. I 100% agree with everything you just said. Um, I think this goes down as well as a lot of fans also put a lot of blame on Ed Woodward for this because he pri- he prioritized commercial success versus on-the-pitch success. And you're bringing in a lot of these marquee names that are especially aging inside. And uh, they're, they're aging in terms of a football player, and they're basically looking for one last big payday before they leave Europe to go anywhere else. So that was something that was very disappointing. It's when you're trying to put in all these, bring in different managers, each manager wants to play a different side. And um, it's another thing that Ed Woodward did that I personally don't like is this started with Rio, the Rio Ferdinand days where he was asking them for their opinions now he thinks, thinks certain things should be done at the club and that starts giving players power where they feel like they're bigger than the club and my personal stance is that as soon as a player feels that they're any bigger than the club they have to go that you cannot be any bigger you have to be there all as one team if not you have a whole bunch of individuals which is like what is happening now John yeah I have a question Devin for you just as a fellow American so you know I always say that it's you it, it, maybe not so much anymore, but it used to be hard to follow the bees, right? You have to earn your fandom because you to go and find information and to watch games, you, you had to put a little effort and some money into it. Um, but I'd be curious from your perspective as a Man United fan who, you know, so 
consistently sits close to the top of the table. What was your impression of Brentford prior to us going into the Premier League? You know, obviously, if you got a relationship with Gary, Gary Blissett, you, you you knew who he were. But I'm just curious as to, you know, Billy asked a little earlier, you know, what what people thought of me as, as a, whether or not if you're not as a Brentford supporter. Um, what was your impression of Brentford before we came up? And, and sort of, uh, you, did you have any awareness of how we played, who we are, our players, or, or was that sort of beneath you at the not to put it in a derogatory term, but you know, just something that didn't cross your path? I said, I guess. So I would have to say it as um, we didn't we didn't start getting championship and lower level matches here until recently. So and a lot of times, even growing up, I remember when it was you had you had pay per view to try and watch and just to watch some of the matches. And then um, we had um, we had Fox Sports that started picking up more of the Premier League matches. So basically, for me, it was I would have to look for results for different different um, different teams that were in the championship and lower just to figure okay who could potentially be coming up in the league next year. But I really did not have that much knowledge of Brentford before. Um, and uh, it's, I'm glad, it's actually now I'm actually glad that um, I got to meet Billy when I was over in England for the Euros. And he explained to me how Brentford is different as a, as a football club, where it's, it's a, lot more, a lot more of a friendly club than what I expected, especially from a team in the London areas, because you always hear the stories uh, about the hooliganism in the past. And that's what, I, that's what I thought when I was hearing about another one. And I was completely wrong. And that was actually uh, I was a very pleasant surprise to have that. That's right. So, so, and David. So first of all, hands off any of our young players uh, for next year. So it's no no, <laughs> no transfers there. But um, we the the Brentford focus is uh, Christian Eriksen, Willie Wonty, um, etc. But I guess for you, um, what do you think Ronaldo is going to do? Is he is he going to stay for another year, or do you think he's pretty much already out the door? So first off, uh, with Ericsson, yeah, I I was rooting for him a lot for the comeback, and I was glad that he went to a club like Brentford where he could definitely be appreciated. Um, the big thing now is whether he stays, which uh, part of me actually hopes he does, but uh, another part of me thinks that he wants to be playing Champions League football again, especially in a World Cup year coming up. Um, so either way, I will wish him all the best. With regards to Ronaldo, um, that's going to be a discussion between him and Ten Hag. My personal stance is that if he stays, he has to realize that he can't be the main man every game and that he's going to have to start, well, when they bring in the players, he's going to have to start mentoring the youth as well, especially Alang, I think, could be somebody who could be something special. We don't know the whole Mason Greenwood situation, don't know whether he's going to be charged or not, whether or not he'll be playing again next season or not, but he could potentially be another young, another youth that hopefully Ronaldo will be willing to mentor. But that also then means that the kids themselves need to be willing to take that advice and put in the same work that he's doing. He should be leading by example. He's he's 37 years old. He's still the first one in the training ground, last one to leave. And he he commented on that before, that he tried to reach out to some of some of the other players and they weren't doing the same things. They cared more about their off-the-image brand and things, or off-the-field off image. And that was something that was very disappointing. I would like for him to stay one more season. I still think he has. I still think he has a lot to give. Right. So listen, I mean, we've been talking about Man United, the Brentford game coming up, but we need to uh, talk to our stats guy yet again. We've got Will, the spreadsheet winker, and he's going to give us the lowdown on Manchester United. So what do we need to know about Man United then? They come into this game with only one win in their last four, despite winning on XG in three out of those four games. They conspired to score just once from 2.37 XG against Arsenal, and miss Bruno Fernandes' penalty being one of the main culprits for that. 
Cristiano Ronaldo has scored all of their last four goals. He's now got 16 from 15 XG this season so far and is clearly a massive threat from large opportunities in the box. He averages 0.62 XG per game, comfortably double any of their other regular players. And from the look of his stats, Harry Maguire doesn't look quite as bad as the hysteria around him has suggested. Not a single one of Man United's regular centre-backs, including Maguire, has made an error leading directly to an opponent's shot so far this season. What is interesting, though, is that all of the B centre-backs have higher percentages of tackles won than their United counterparts. So weak tackling centre-backs mean to fill day for our front three, who'll be given lots of time in the box and will be able to shoot with ease. So there you go, Will. Allsop, the spreadsheet winker, and he's getting a bit bold, old Willis. Like, you know, he's been studying properly hard now and he's been crunching some figures and he's putting them figures in the computers and he's like going, hold on a second, you know, we've got some good results here. And Man United, he 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 highlighted the, the defence that you talked about, Devin, as well. You notice I said defence because I'm actually on this side of the pond, like, you know what I'm saying? I'd say defence if I was on the other side, but I'm, I'm already, I'm already, I'm, I've already switched my mind into international mode, the defence. And he just said, look, you know, the defence is there to be had at, like, you know, so um, I think that's kind of, kind of, quite, kind of quite interesting. It's going to make Beast fans feel very excited. I mean, looking at the characteristics of Manchester United, strong at counter-attacks, strong at creating long shot opportunities, strong at creating chances using through balls and stronger aerial duels. But where they're weak is defending against attacks down the wings, which is very good for us. Defending against long shots, defending against skillful players, protecting the lead, stopping opponents from creating chances, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, defending counter-attacks. And where they're very weak is avoiding offside. They like possession football, short passes. They attempt through balls often, attacking down the left, rotate their first 11 quite a bit, and they're aggressive. So, I mean, as Bees fans, you know, listening to that... And seeing where we've actually kind of come the last few weeks, that is actually very exciting, isn't it, John? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of those things where if you look at our, our season so far, right, I think if we were looking at expected goals, we'd be fifth or sixth in the table right now in terms of goals scored. Um, we are, you know, our throw-ins, I, I saw a statistic that we were actually the best in the world, or at least in the top five leagues at creating expected goals off throw-in chances. Um, and I think that that carries over game to game. And one of these points, you know, the conversions, you know, we go, we, at some point we have to stop hitting the post. At some point, you know, luck is going to be on our side where those expected goals convert into actual goals. And I think that, you know, if we can exploit those wings, wing positions, we can use our speed and our advantage, play the ball, you know, sort of on the ground and, and, and you know, use Ericsson to sort of, you know, sort of be that, that final third field general. I think we can exploit that defense quite significantly. Um, and I think the key is, you know, just making sure that we don't get caught up on some of the counters and, you know, Ronaldo getting sort of free space to play. Um, but, you know, I, I like our chances. I think that, uh, you know, statistically speaking, things just haven't broken our way. And I think it's a little bit of luck more so than it has been skill or, or effort. It's, it's interesting you say that because you're looking at the chart as well. I mean, I know, again, we say this a lot. A lot of people don't like expected goals, but it's what put Brentford where they're at the moment now. We're sixth in the table in the Justice League, as they call it, behind Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City in terms of good chances created. We haven't, basically, we're underperforming. We're creating great chances, but we're not putting them in the back of the net. You know, whereas Manchester United are two places below us and eighth in the Justice League. And they're actually overperforming because they're two places below 
where they are in the, in the in the real league, like you know. So again, if we literally took our chances and put them away, which doesn't always happen, as we know, and that's due to the quality of the player that you have and the chance you have. There's all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, it shows that we're actually probably a lot more evenly matched up um, in, in that game as well. Interestingly, as well, Devon was talking about you know where Manchester United are going to finish this season, and we use five thirty eight quite a lot, and we've been you know looking at it. We sometimes don't look at it when we're looking really bad. You know? like we've been looking at it quite recently as well. And Manchester United, according to five thirty eight, are looking at finishing 5-6 it's actually 1-2-3 so you've got Manchester City Liverpool Chelsea Arsenal Tottenham then Manchester United so they've got them looking at finishing 6th in the league currently on 54 points and their prediction is to finish on 59 points with Tottenham finishing above them in 66 wow that's a lot it's a big gap 66 points and Arsenal wow, finishing wow. on 69 points so that's actually quite a big gap that is predicted by 5-38 they've got Brentford actually finishing sort of 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th actually um, currently on 40 points as us finishing on 48 points is the prediction for us to finish at the end of the season obviously you know we've got to win the games and do what has to but that's the prediction Brighton finishing just above us Newcastle Crystal Palace and Aston Villa actually finishing below us is the prediction from 538 Villa 45 points and their prediction actually at the moment now the bottom three is Norwich as we know down Everton down as well both 99% chance of relegation more than that and then third from bottom the prediction is Everton with 53 chances uh, percent chance of relegation with Burnley just above them on 29%. So the gap is massively opened up. And obviously we're playing Everton the second to last game of the season as well, or their third last game of the season because they had to play Crystal Palace because that game was called off to the cup final. So yes, I mean, the, the stats wise, and it's, I know it's not all about stats, but it's, it's, it's kind of reflecting what you were saying there, Devin, isn't it? Yeah, I am not surprised that where they have uh, United finishing, it's it's like I said that United will be very lucky to finish fifth. Um, when I saw the run in the games toward the end of the season, I said to have any chance to finish in top four, they had to be Arsenal, and obviously that didn't happen. So for me, top four will is pretty much gone in my opinion. It's I actually would prefer to just not be playing any European football next season. Personally, right now, give Ten Hag a fresh start. Let him get let him get the full match week to to experiment with his side to figure out how it works, and then build work on getting a good finish in the league next season and getting a, maybe a domestic cup in there if possible. David, yeah, I think um, one of the things we always focus on is the the XG created. I think one of the highlights of this season has been the the way we've kept the XG of other teams down. Um, I think Spurs was a perfect example when I think you said that uh, the best chance was Harry Kane's overhead kick. Like I think that's um, that was great. We we didn't allow for those opportunities, and I think that's what we have to do against United as well. Because if we can make sure that their best chances are from outside the eighteen-yard box or difficult conversions, um, that's going to be our key. And I think that's why we've been doing so well in the the XG battles and. Whenever I listen, Billy, I say, "Don't apologise. Embrace it." Like I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's what's got us to where we are, and I think um, that that's why that stopping them from getting the good shots, and then hopefully, like uh, John's been saying, we can miss the woodwork and, and get it in in the net. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, our defence is going to be key as well this game. That's right. So listen, we've gone across fourteen time zones in this podcast and we've got from Tasmania to Washington as we say but we've forgotten about one country in particular which is the UK and we thought we need to keep ourselves grounded so we're going to go up to Manchester we're going to speak to Andy Mitten from the United We Stand fanzine he's going to give us a few little words on Man United Hello Besotted it's Andy Mitten here 
from United We Stand. It looks like you've all gone a bit international ahead of the game at Old Trafford. Your first game at Old Trafford for a long, long time. You know the last time Brentford played Manchester United in the league? My uncle Charlie, Charlie Mitten, played in the match for Manchester United. So I'm looking forward to the game. I think that Brentford have done really well this season and I, I don't say that in a, in a patronising sense, just looking at it from afar, seeing the stadium full every week, seeing some of the good football you've played, the return of, of Christian Eriksen as well. I know you're probably a bit annoyed about the result against the mighty Manchester United in January. But the truth is we ain't been that mighty this season. This has been a really, really disappointing season for Manchester United. But we'll be there, just as we were at Arsenal and Liverpool last weekend. Imagine what that was like, being a Manchester United fan. Standing in the away end at Anfield. And then Arsenal. Well, Arsenal didn't even seem bad in comparison, to be honest. But getting beat 4-0 at Anfield was horrific. But we support our team. And that's what football fans do. And I know you've supported your team for years throughout all the four divisions. And when I grew up, uh, not far from Old Trafford, I supported Manchester United because that's what I did. That's what my family did. I never for one minute thought I would see my team win one league title. I dreamed of one league title in my lifetime. And I was unfortunate enough to see United win 13 league titles, to win doubles and trebles. So we have been working hard on the latest United We Stand. It will be on sale outside Old Trafford on Monday from our lads. They use the money to fund going to the matches. We normally have two pages interviewing an away fan, a clued up away fan, someone who knows his stuff, someone who can educate us. But we've made an exception this issue from your besotted, from Billy the Bee. We've given him four pages. And I feel that Manchester United fans will enjoy an education on Brentford. Some wonderful pictures from times when Brentford weren't so good. And you'll be able to relate to them. So four pages, 3,300 words. It's a bit of a risk as an editor, isn't it? Because Brentford are not, you know, not headline news. But let's see what the feedback is. Anyway, enjoy your trip to to Manchester and come on we do a win we need a win but honestly we're that bad wouldn't have surprised me if Manchester United failed to win all the best beside so listen guys we want to wrap this one up now but I want to come back to Devon and I say listen Devon just give us your thoughts on this game how do you see it panning out and what you know, food for Man United, which we be looking out for. And, you know, who also is somebody who you're thinking, mm, you should do better. So for this game, I am thinking that it's going to be a two-all draw. It's, I just, right now, our, our side is depleted with injuries. So we're already, we're lacking in that side. Um, the, the squad who's available apart from Ronaldo and De Gea are playing way below expectations, in my opinion. Um, let's see now. It's two to look out for. It's obviously Ronaldo is going to be a threat. Um, I also think Alanga on the counter could could do some damage as well, too. 
So that that could be somebody who could potentially score as well. But obviously, all the focus will be on Ronaldo and expected. For the midfield now, it's going to be um, <laughs> this one. I'm thinking Matic will probably have to be the one tasked with trying to stop with trying to stop Ericsson. It will be either Matic or McTominay. I think in terms of <laughs> in the back, who we think could be doing better, it's I have to say the entire back line could be doing a lot better which I know is music to to your ears as as Brentford fans. So you could pick any one of the back line, and I would say that all of them could be doing better. It also depends on who we are going to have fits, in, in my opinion. Okay, and the, and the same thing as well. I mean, I'll go out to the, just the jury here just quickly. We just talk about the Brentford team, because obviously we had a, a number of injuries in the Tottenham game. In the end, the players who came in did fantastically well, but we've got to say that, you know, Ayer is looking well. He was injured, you know. We got Pinnock who was injured, you know. We, you know, Mad Spec Sorensen came and did a fantastic job, but you know, we had quite a few injuries in that game, and it looks like you know we have to look at the. I don't want to say the negative side, but we have to look at the fact that you know those injuries are going to be carrying through to this next game, don't we, David? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I haven't read anything on AF that if it was just a knock to the face, he might be good. But um, I think Pinnock will be out for a little bit longer. But I think this has been one of the, the strengths of our team and, and one of the reasons why I wasn't disappointed that we didn't make um, too many signings in the January transfer window because the players we've got in our team come into the come into the, the new players come into the team and know what their role is. The way Roslev played, the way um, Be- Mads Beck Sorensen played, they knew their role, they knew what they needed to do. And I think if we would have brought in too many new players in January, we would have been in all sorts because we needed to train them up as to the style we're playing and how we're going to play. Um, so I think I, I'm, I've got faith in our bench players. Viss has come off the bench and done well. Um, I think if I don't not even sure where De Silva's at, but I think anyone who can come off the bench, they know what their role they have to do. Um, they've got that experience and, and I've got faith that they can do a job just like we did for the Spurs. Okay, so listen, we're going to go around the table here and we're going to get a score prediction from you all. John? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 to the Mighty Bees and I think that we're going to ride the momentum we've had for the last five, six weeks. David? Uh, yeah, I'm always uh, critical when I listen to this part if people go 1-0, 2-0. So I'm, I'm going to go a little bit out there and say 3-2. Um, I think we'll take advantage of the, the defence that, that Devin's spoken about and, and score a few goals. And um, I think it will be tough to stop someone with the quality of Ronaldo. So let's go for a 3-2 B's win. Harold? Well, this is quite a difficult one. But uh, I think United at home is always dangerous. Uh, always get might get a goal so I would go for uh, a draw 1-1 one, one, with uh, Ivan Tony goal for, for Brentford John yeah I'm going to go a little bit put a foot forward and say 2-1 to the Bees uh, I think we're on a roll we've been playing really well against the big clubs and I see no reason why that can't continue David I'm always critical of people because you listen to this and they always go oh, 1-0 with that. so I'm going to do something a bit different I'm going 3-2 Brentford um, I think that Man United have shown they've got issues in the back line so I think we can score the three goals um, but with uh, Ronaldo playing well there's, there's always a chance they score a couple so let's go uh, Brentford 3-2 The Hong Kong I think that we can get something there I'm going to go for 2 all. The Manchester United view from Devin I'm predicting a two-all draw just with the way that United has been this season. I just, I think they'll be lucky to win any of the remaining matches, unfortunately. 
I just also think that Ronaldo is going to do everything in his power to continue well to continue on his scoring run. So I do see him scoring in this game once, if not twice. Alanga could be another person to potentially score. But I just think that we are so dodgy in the back that there will be goals conceded. And that's such a disservice to, to De Gea, who is, in my opinion, been the best player at Manchester United this season. But that's not surprising considering he's done that for multiple seasons. So I'm thinking two all draw. Displaced by David Rea and the Spanish team, though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a question for, um, for the Spanish manager for, for dropping. I think, I think he thinks that his distribution is a little bit dodgy. But I would, I would love for someone to name a better shot stopper than him. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll come on to that. And for me, I'm going to go absolute ballistic on this one. 2 0 to the mighty, mighty bees is what I'm going to say for that one. We're going to carry on our role on this one, as we say. So, anyway, this has been the besotted Pride of West London International Bees and Men United fan podcast. So listen, thank you everybody who has contributed to this podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic getting you guys and girls on board getting your contributions it's been really really good really really interesting thank you for taking time out it's been a little bit of a longer podcast than normally but that's because we've got lots of people on here and we're talking lots and lots of football um i'm gonna go around the table and i'm just gonna say the big goodbyes to everybody we've got the john kinkle in the house thanks for having me we've got the genford tasmanian b in the house absolute pleasure honored to be on billy we've got hong kong b andy cooper in the house yeah, thanks everybody. Yeah. We got Harold the Dutch Bee in the house. I'm going to celebrate for, uh, you know, King's Day a little bit more. See you all, you guys, listeners uh, in the globe in a couple of days. And we got Devin, the Tampa Bay Man United fan, in the house. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to speak with all of you. And let's see what happens on Monday. Let's see. Listen, I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in a different virtual joint. I've very much enjoyed this. I'm an international bee at the moment, but I'll be going back to the UK next week. I'll be a UK bee yet again. Thank you too much for all the international bees and all the bees for listening, all the bees that have tuned in. Don't forget to subscribe to Besotted. Um, go to us, to all good podcast channels and also write a review. It's, it just it goes up in the charts, apparently. Also, don't forget to buy us a beer, besotted.com forward slash beer. Thank you to everybody who's bought us a beer so far we'll give you some shout outs in the future but other than that like i said to you i'm very much enjoying my time it's very warm in florida i'm going to go see charlotte fc at the weekend as well so i've got more football as well happening for me at the weekend so looking forward to go to charlotte fc playing orlando at the weekend and i'll be back old Trafford on monday i'll see you inside the bar we'll have a drink come on you bees come on you bees come on devon what'd you say come on you what what's that Kevin? on you Come on, say it. Say it. Go on. Glory, glory, man. United. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.